Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Got to figure out how to use the mic, first of all. It's great to see all of you this morning. My name is Pastor David, uh, not Pastor Aaron, who is our senior pastor. It's good for them to be away for a couple weeks. Um, I shouldn't say a couple weeks, but two Sundays at least. So I will be up here preaching for two Sundays in a row. So you probably didn't know about this Sunday that they'd be gone. So if half of you are gone next Sunday, now I'll know why. (laughs) That's the guilt you need to come (laughs) now. No, we are starting a new series um, just for two weeks. I was had the opportunity to actually call it a series because it's two weeks in a row. Um, and then we called it Out With The Old, In With The New. Um, and you'll understand why it's called that um, once we dig into scripture a little more and get into all that, that fun stuff. Um, but it is a phrase that we, we commonly hear, um, especially when we're going through and cleaning things or getting rid of old items uh, and stuff like that. But it's Out With The Old, in with the new. Um, before we do that, though, let's let's pray, and then we'll get into some context of, of where we're going in Colossians. Um, if you want to jump into Colossians as well, before I get there, it's Colossians chapter three is where we're going to be. Um, but let's go ahead and go, Lord, in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for the opportunity uh, to first of all lift you up in praise through singing, Lord, and to give you the the praise that you deserve and the glory that you deserve in that way. And right now, Lord, we just ask for your help and your blessing as we dig into your word. Lord, teach us. Uh, Even teach me, even though I've been the one that's doing the studying, there's a lot for me to learn. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, things would be clear and that would be your words and not mine. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book we're going to go into, as I said, is Colossians. It is written by Paul who wrote many of the New Testament letters that we have and someone that you probably have heard of because of those letters as well. If not, that's okay. Um, He often wrote to churches and the content dealt with questions that they were having or if he had heard of issues, then he would address those issues. Uh, Colossae was definitely one of those churches that was having issues. Now, before we get into this, I am going to say Colossae, Colossi, Colossi. Many different ways. And I actually looked it up because I have always said Colossi, which comes normal to me. I just said Colossae. The reason for that is I looked up what is the proper way to say that word, C-O-L-O-S-S-A-E, all right? For some reason, I've always had it Colossi. But I looked it up, and someone did a funny YouTube video, very short, and it said how to pronounce Colossi. And it showed three or four different pastors, prominent pastors that you would know, and they all said it differently. So it didn't help me out one bit. So whatever comes out, that's what it's going to be. It won't be as as bad as Pastor Aaron's speech, though. He makes fun of himself. It's okay. Uh, So Colossae definitely had some things they needed to work on. I mean, what church doesn't have issues? I've always heard it said that if you are going to look for a perfect church, the moment you step in, it's not perfect anymore. Might take some thinking. So Paul was writing to them, and the the theme that seems to be the overall theme in Colossians is the supremacy of Christ. 
Um, our youth group actually went over Colossians and did a life group study. And I know another life group did as well on the book of Colossians. Uh, and Louis Giglio was the teacher. And that was one of the things he focused on throughout the book is the supremacy of Christ. And one of the ways that the teens remembered it, when we think of supreme, I said, what makes you think of supreme? And one of the first thing that came out was tacos. And so every week when I asked them what the theme of Colossians was, I said, tacos. And they're like, supremacy of Christ. So tacos, remember that. So the supremacy of Christ is our overall theme as we look into Colossians. And the reasons for that is there's a lot of a lot of different things going on in this church, and one of them was different beliefs coming in and starting to uh, mess with the believers, their young believers, and and we know that that Paul points out in the beginning who Christ is because of what was going on in this church. And I just want to read that for you real quick. It's not going to be up on the screen. It's chapter one, verses fifteen through twenty. You can just listen to it if you want from the ESV. It says, "He is the image of the invisible God." the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Christ is supreme. And so that's at the beginning of the letter, letting these Christians, these young Christians know, listen, Christ is first and foremost. He doesn't need anything extra. He is supreme. And Paul starts off this way. One of the beliefs that was starting to push in to their church and the area was Gnosticism. And that's basically where God is good. This is a, a belief where God is good and that matter or, or flesh is bad and that the spirit is good. So basically they would say anything that would happen in the flesh, any sin that you committed, no matter how bad it was, didn't really matter because it was the spirit that mattered. The spirit was good. And they also put that salvation was pretty much gained by knowledge. The more you knew, the better you were off. And they also lessened Christ's role. Um, they lessened who he was. And that was part of the purpose why Paul started off this letter that way. So strongly saying who Christ truly is. So all this will make more sense, even as we jump into Colossians chapter three and what it says there. Uh, Paul was in prison when he found out what was going on and what the, the believers were starting to believe and bring into their, their system. And, and so since he couldn't be there physically, that's why he chose to write a letter to them. Um, that is the basic context of what we're jumping into because we're only going to be covering chapter 3, 1 through 17 these next two weeks. It is important to know that because context matters. Context always matters when you're jumping into scripture. It keeps you from taking one scripture and making it say whatever you want. You can't do that. You got to look around it and see what's going on. So as we remember these things, they're young believers, they're Jews or Gentiles mixed together, which also didn't help. Um, but they are believers. They know that Christ died on the cross for their sins. 
And sometimes they just need to be reminded of that, and we do too at times. So today's specific title, even though it's called Out with the Old, In with the New, today's specific title is Getting Rid of Your Old Clothes. Getting Rid of Your Old Clothes. And we will go through 1 through 11 today. That's all we're going to cover. Before we do that, and specifically get into that, um, actually I was going to tell you what next week. Next week, 12 through 17, is Putting on Your New Clothes. Ta-da, no. Getting rid of your old clothes, putting on your new clothes. Um, and again, that'll come more apparent as we dig into this. So let's start off, though. Again, I want to read all of 1 through 17. Why? Context. Context matters. If we're going to talk about the whole thing, we might as well read the whole thing. And then we'll get through 1 through 11 and dig into that a little more deep. So read with me. It will be up on the screen. Chapter 3, 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account, of these, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self with which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not, there is not group Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So for our verses today, Paul is basically telling the church in Colossae in verses 1 through 11 that if you truly know Christ as your savior, then stop. Stop doing all these things that you're doing. These are all things of your past life before you knew Christ and start doing things of thinking and setting your mind on things above. So it's not a question of whether these believers um, are believers, whether they know Christ or not, when it comes to Paul. He's letting them know what they need to do with these actions since they know Christ as their Savior. When it comes to, to God's word here in this section, I, I don't need to come up with something different. I don't need to make up something to apply to you. As we read through and go through this, it's relevant. God's word is always relevant, no matter who it was written for. Obviously, it was written for the Colossians. 
but it's still relevant to today. So just pay attention as we go through, as we dig in, and we break these verses apart because they definitely have application for us today. First part, let's go back to to verse 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now when Paul mentions raised with Christ, he is basically saying, you know Christ as your Savior, or you have given your life to him. There's a bunch of different verbiage that we use as Christians today, but you are giving your life to Christ. You know him as your Savior. Um, The Greek verb here actually means co-resurrected, which is pretty awesome to think about. Co-resurrected. There is a union with Christ that we as believers have at the moment of our conversion. This is actually how I got to the scripture. I really wanted to preach on more of a topical thing this the next two weeks because I love what happens to believers that the moment you accept Christ as your Savior, a ton of things that are amazing happen to you. All the benefits that come to being a son or daughter of Christ. But there's so many of them that it's not enough weeks. Two weeks is not enough weeks to cover that. And one of the places it was sending me to was Colossians 3. This is all how I ended up on this. So I just went with Colossians 3. Felt like God was asking me to, to, or telling me to preach on that. So here we are. But what happens at the moment of conversion is amazing. And one of those is union with Christ. So because of that, because we know Christ, what are we to do? We are to seek the things that are above. Our mind is supposed to be focused on Christ all the time. As we live our life, as we do what we do, it is supposed to be focused on Christ. That doesn't mean we're going around chanting. doesn't mean we're going around doing all these weird things. But if we are living for Christ, our mind is focused on him the whole time. What we do, our actions, how we react to people focused on Christ. We are putting him above. We are seeking the things that are above. We are thinking kingdom for him. Paul again here states his position, Christ's position of authority as seated at the right hand of God. Once again, that is towards those who are thinking Christ is lesser. He is not who he truly is. Then in verse 2, we have it again. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. Paul just said that. So if he just said it in one way and he says it again in a different way, it must be important. So he is emphasizing to these believers, and we can take it as emphasis as well, um, that it must be important. By reading God's word and talking with him, that's how we can set our minds on things that are above as well. If we are in God's word, if we are talking to him daily in prayer, Again, prayer doesn't necessarily mean you're off in a corner somewhere talking to God and listing every single person that's sick in the world. That's not necessarily prayer. That's one good way of talking to God, and you can ask for help in that way. But prayer is also daily, constantly just talking to him. Something happens, talk to God. Something else happens, just right then and there, talk to God. One of the things I've started to do, and I probably said this before, if I hear a siren or an ambulance going somewhere, I talk to God. I, I ask for prayer for that person for whatever reason that siren or that ambulance is going somewhere. It's an easy way to be talking to God. It's an easy way. 
And you just need to think of it that way. It's not hard to have a prayer life with God. Obviously, you do want those moments where you're dedicated and time alone with him and you can focus on those times. I struggle with that that way. That's, that's the hardest way for me to pray because my mind goes all over the place. But going throughout the day, you can also talk with him as well. And that's one way of being focused on the things that are above. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This death is past tense. This is also referring to our union with Christ that I talked about, the moment of conversion. So it is, it's talking about the union of the believer has with Christ and his death on the cross. Verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is speaking to the second coming of Christ. Don't have time to get into all that. So that's a whole other separate sermon series. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is referring to a, a conscious effort. You are purposely putting to death these things that are earthly. What are the things that are earthly? What's well, the list that he just that he's about to, to give to us in these temptations that we always have? We are to put them to death. I don't think he can give us any stronger words than that. He's, what are we putting to death? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We know what a lot of these things are. Um, kids that are in here, I don't know if you know what covetousness is, but it, it, it's basically you have something, you want more. You're coveting something else. You want more of it. Now, it's hard for me to think of because I don't want more anymore. You listening? Obviously, I want more. That's something we all struggle with, um, which is an easy one for him to to put on there. Um, Definitely, definitely one of those. In the end of that part of that verse, he's stating that these are idolatry. When you do these things, when you pick those things above God, you are basically worshiping yourself. You are giving yourself what you want rather than letting God give you what you need. Again, you're giving yourself what you want rather than letting God give you, give you what you need. It's saying, I can do it, God, instead of saying, God, please help me. And there's another list that he has coming up, but with any of those things, you do it, you're putting yourself first and you're making yourself an idol, basically. And then he moves on in verse six and says, on account of these the wrath of God is coming. Obviously, God is not pleased with these acts that go against him. He's not pleased with sin, and he will not put up with it. Uh, that, that goes into a whole other thing of, of one of the things that you get. And the moment you accept Christ, you are, a, you are adopted by God. You are a son and daughter of God. And with that, being a father of you, comes some amazing, wonderful things, but it also comes discipline. God will not put up with sin against him, and he will discipline his children, which, good, I'm, I'm glad he does. I'm glad that I get disciplined uh, when I'm sinning against him. It helps put me straight. It helps me put me back towards on a walk that's, that's more towards him. Verse 7, In these you too once walked, when you were living in them, this basically shows, as I was reading it, it stood out to me that, that Paul is basically saying to us now that these, these were believers. 
It shows that Christ can make a change in anyone. So we have that list, and we may look at that list of sexual immorality and all those things and say, oh, that's, that's real bad. But Paul's talking to believers now, saying, remember, don't do these things. It shows us that Christ can and does forgive anyone who comes to him, anyone that he is calling. If you are out there and you think that you are too bad for Christ, that you need to attend a couple more Sundays, or maybe you need to say a couple more prayers, you don't. Christ doesn't need that. Christ wants you as you are now. Forgiveness is not about what you can do. It's about what Christ has already done on the cross. If you accept that, if you accept him and, and then he, that he is all you need, then you'll be forgiven. It's as simple as that. Now, there's more that comes after that, but it's an awesome and amazing display of grace and mercy that we have in our lives when someone comes to know Christ as their Savior. You don't need to do a bunch of things. It's not about your work. It's about his work and what he's already done. Verse 8. <clears throat> but now you must put them all away. Hold on. My, I always put the water up here. I never drink it. And my throat gets dry. And I start coughing and all that. And my water just sits there. All right. Verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk for your mouth. Finally, we get to my titles and why I have that here. Put away refers to clothing here. In the Greek, Paul is actually giving them something that they would know. This is where getting into the Greek and studying a little deeper helps. It gives you more context of what's going on. The word that is used here for putting away does refer to those who would have been working or those who worked all day. Their clothing's dirty. It's time for them to get rid of it and move on and put on some new clothes. So if you think about that and you think about their conditions and how things would have been back then in context, you would understand that. I come home from work here. I'm not, I'm not dirty. At least I don't think I am. Emily might say otherwise, but <laughs> if I go home, I don't change my clothes. I leave them on. I stay the same. But you think back then and what they would have, the work they would have been doing, depending on if it was carpentry or something else or working out in the fields, whatever it was, they would be dirty. And so at some point, they would need to put those things off. They would need to, to put them away um, because of those conditions. And so how does that apply to us? Well, obviously, we don't think that way all the time. So I brought something. I went in, in Emily's closet and got a shirt of hers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Once you see it, you'll realize there's no way. <laughs> and she didn't want me to do this because it's embarrassing, I guess. I don't know. But you have those shirts. You have that clothing that you always hold on to and that you'll never let go. This actually isn't that old. It's just we sweat, you know? I'm sweating right now because I'm in front of you guys. It's okay. I actually have a brand spanking new T-shirt on this morning. But... uh. <laughs> This one, this one's been used. See those armpits? That's dirty. And so you think of the clothing, out with the old, in with the new. Paul is telling the people, the, the church of Colossae, your sin, the way you've been acting, it's, it's dirty. 
It's not good. That's the old way. That is the old self. And when you become a follower of Christ, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you're a new person in Christ. Therefore, wear the new clothes that he offers you. Be the new person that that you can be because of Christ. Live that way because of Christ. Quit putting on the old stuff. It's gross. It's disgusting. Quit living that way. I will probably wear this again, just so you know. You won't know because it'll be under something else. But, But put those things away. We don't have to dress that way anymore. doesn't mean we'll never sin again. That's obvious. Paul is writing this to believers. He's telling the believers, listen, live the way Christ wants you to live. Stop living the old way. They're still sinning. They're believers. It's a struggle we'll always have, but Christ is there for us. God is there for us. So what are we throwing away? What are we not supposed to have in our lives? Anger. These aren't just moments of anger, but the attitude of, of always being angry or unsettled. If you're always angry, why? Why are you angry? Go to God in that. Talk to him. Talk to others about it. What, what could be causing that anger? Wrath. Why do we have wrath in here? So God's allowed to be wrathful and we're not? Yes, because God can do it righteously. We can't. God can do it without sinning. We can't. Wrath is those sudden outbursts of anger. Malice, which is evil speech. Slander, which is talking wrong about others, talking down on others. Obscene talk from your mouth. Don't really need to explain that one. That's anything that comes out of your mouth that is not pleasing to God. When we tell young kids about sin, it's anything you think, say, or do that goes against God. That's the same thing when it comes to obscene talk. Anything that's not pleasing to him is obscene talk. And then we can go further into other words and whatnot. But if you're using talk to insult others or if you're talking in a way that is not uplifting them or someone else, that would be obscene talk. That's something that's hard to do. They're all hard to do. In both of these lists, Paul is not giving items that were rare, but things that people used to do before Christ and we're going back to even after knowing Christ. We do the same thing. We're not perfect. So we can be thankful for forgiveness as well. So does that happen to believers today? Does that list happen to believers today? Yes. It's no secret. If anyone in here says that they're perfect, they're lying, they're not perfect. Already. (laughs) And that goes into verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Um, the message translation, I don't know how they do it, but they do such a good job of, of grabbing the context and speaking in more of today's turn, terms, the way that we talk, or the way that I talk at least. Um, it's like the KJV was for way back then and how they talked. Now we have the message for how we talk. It's more flowing. And I love how they use the imagery of clothes in those verses nine through uh, 10 because of the Greek. So they bring it out in the, and in the message it says, don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put into the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. 
every time your new way of life, every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it, all the old fashions are now obsolete. I just love the, the imagery that, that, that the message gives for that section of scripture. The old wardrobe needs to be put away. The new wardrobe comes out and it has God's label on it, his name on it. The creator, the one who custom made you and that way of life for you. It's pretty awesome. Paul is telling them to be done with what was, with what was before and move on and live a life for Christ. Verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is a verse that's often taken out of context. I won't get into it, but this is one that people grab by itself and make it say whatever it wants. Um, But it's saying that no matter who you are, Jew, Greek, Gentile, whatever nation you are, you can come to Christ. Salvation is available to all, and he will be equally sufficient for all. Your salvation is for all. So now what? Got to the end of 1 through 11. This, this whole first 1 through 11 is a little more of the negative side of things, of what we're getting rid of. Next week will be the more positive. We've got to get rid of the old to be able to put on the new, or else you still have that stinky old shirt underneath your brand new one. And what's it matter? It's still there. It's still seeping through. So now what? God's word is relevant. As we were going through, it was my prayer that you already have picked up and learned some things, but I still have some applications as well. We can definitely apply Paul's theme for this section. His theme for this section is to set your mind on things that are above. He says it twice, and he says it at the beginning as he's writing to these believers. He starts off telling us what we need to get rid of. <clears throat> and as we talked about, he covered things that believe that belong to believers in Christ. So this whole section was towards believers in Christ. So my first application, my first challenge would be, do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you have that? Do you even know what that means? If you don't, I've explained it already. I've talked about the gospel already, what Christ has done for it for us. He died on the cross, was buried three days later, and rose again, showing that he is God. And he is the only one that you need, that you don't need to do anything. So we've talked about that. And so if you have that, that urge in your heart, if you feel like Christ is talking to you to accept that and to believe that, then I challenge you to do that. Verbalize it to him. Say it to him. Say that you want him to be a part of your life, that you want him to be in charge of life, and that you believe what he did on the cross for you. If you have more questions about that later, you can come and talk to me or any of the leaders in this church. We would love to talk to you about that because it is the most important thing that you could ever consider. For those of us who know Christ as our Savior, what in your life needs thrown away? and might be keeping you from growing even more in Christ. What are you holding on to? It could be something that was specifically mentioned already, but I think we can all agree that it's anything holding us back from growing in him. So what, 
what in your life is keeping you from a better relationship with Christ? What might you need to get rid of? There's a lot of things that we can enjoy, that we can have fun with, and, and those things were made for that. But if it becomes more than Christ, more than God, it's become an idol. Or if it causes us to sin, then we obviously shouldn't be doing it. So what do we need to get rid of? It refers to me as well. All right, and thankfully, he is willing and able to forgive. And he does forgive us. Because again, I've already said before, we are not perfect. They were not perfect. Second thing is, how are you keeping your mind and heart on the things that are above? How are you keeping your mind and heart on the things that are above? Basically, how do you keep from slipping back into old habits? How do you keep from slipping back into your old clothes? Throw them away. How do you get to, to being able to do that? That strength will be in God's word. Where's the answers? God's word. His word is enough. All of it's in there. You don't even have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a theologist or anything to understand what is in God's word. The Holy Spirit will help you with that. Obviously, there's some things that can be a little more confusing, but there's enough in there. It's all in there to help you do that and live a life for him. It's our instruction manual, basically. We already talked about prayer, talking to him. Another way to keep our minds on things that are above is gathering with believers, which you guys are doing, and that's awesome, being around other believers. There's more ways than just being at church to do that. This is not a plug, but we have our life groups, our Logos classes, other ways uh, to be around believers and to gather with them on your own, getting together with other believers. When you do that, it causes encouragement. It encourages each other. That's one of the reasons why we have our youth events with other churches or our breakout conference. That's one of the reasons we do that because the teens can see other teens at other schools who also know Christ. You're gathering around for encouragement. So as we close today, when we go to pray, I do want to take a moment. If there's anything you are struggling with, I want to give you time to offer that up to God. There is no better time than the present to actually do something. I know me, if I wait, I'll forget and I won't do it. That's why I have to make notes all the time. So I'm going to give us time. There's going to be awkward silence. Awkward is awesome. It's okay. We'll sit there for a little bit. Andrew already did it today, which I think is great. There's nothing wrong with giving us the opportunity to respond. And talk to God. Ask for forgiveness. For maybe of something that's been keeping you from growing in your relationship with him. Offer something up to him that you can get rid of. Don't be afraid to do these things. And as we get into next week again, we will... We'll talk about how we can shift things around then and put on our new self, which we already have if you know Christ as your Savior. So again, I'm going to give you a moment. So let's go to Lord in prayer, and it's going to be silent at first for about a minute. Let's pray.
Lord, I give you thanks for forgiveness and forgiveness in my life. Lord, that silence is not just for those out there, but for me as well. And the things that I offered up to you, Lord, because I'm not perfect either. And Lord, I pray as we, as we head out of here that we continue to think about that this week, the things that we can give to you, the things that we can take off and get rid of, those dirty items that we don't need in our lives so that we can better appreciate and use the clean wardrobe that you have given us and put on the new. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice that he paid on the cross for our sins. Lord, continue to remind us of that, and I pray that we would never forget that. Lord, continue to work in our lives. Continue to make an impression on us, Lord. I pray that we would seek you out, that we wouldn't expect this to just happen just because, but Lord, that we would seek you out, that we would read your word, that we would talk to you, that we would put the effort into it, Lord. Lord, give us the strength and the heart to do that. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for all that you do for us. And we don't always realize it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.